Girls One podcast is NSFW, which is how the youth of America say, not safe for work. The content is fine, but we've had a number of OSHA violations. And now here are your intrepid internet explorers, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Jen. I'm Allie. This is Two Girls One Podcast. We're back. It's just two girls. Episode. Two girls. There's not a guy here at There's all. No his name is not Matt. <clears throat> he didn't just invading our there. space yeah. with his manness. <laughs> his madness. His madness. <laughs> anyway, we are back today. We are looking at Tickling. That's right. For those of you who haven't listened before, every episode we look at some kind of community that has found itself online, that has been able to flourish in some way. And if you're wondering why we're into this, it's because we perform internet material. On stage. On stage. So we have a show here in New York City called Blogologues where we perform anything you can find on the internet, social media, in your phones. We take this found online text and we create sketches out of it. We don't change a word, but yeah. we come up with characters and scenarios. So we've spent tons and tons and tons yeah. and tons and tons and tons of time, time on the internet. I would say just recently we learned about Tickling and the online community of Tickling. And we had an intern helping us look up some material that we can maybe perform in our show recently. We have an intern. We have an intern. Um, and we found... <laughs> Who looks at internet shit for us. I mean, yeah. It takes a long time. It does. She's well, great. She found something about Skype Tickling, which I thought was really interesting. Where, yeah, we still don't understand that, actually. Yeah, where people met through Skype, they both had a tickling fetish, and he would tickle her through the screen, sort of, like almost the anticipation of the tickle was enough Yeah, to get the feeling. Um, and we never ended up performing the piece, but we're looking We actually that. still don't have the answer to that. So how do you tickle someone remotely. Right. I don't really get yeah. that. Maybe our guest will know. Yeah. Also for this podcast, we wanted to learn about tickling and find somebody who's part of that community. So we happened to come upon this documentary. Right. So we saw the Tickled documentary, which I think tickled. a lot of our listeners may have seen because it's kind of, I don't want to say blowing up, but I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of different people posting about it. So we watched the Tickled documentary. Right. Do we want to give a quick recap well, on we what's happening? Spoil we don't want to spoil it. You, so we won't tell the end. But it's looking at the dark underbelly. <laughs> <laughs> tickling pun. <laughs> place you can tickle. Um, of the tickling fetish in that there happened to be a bully within this community who had a really large reach. Another tickling reference reach. <laughs> really large reach and actually ended up um, affecting and I don't want to say ruining, but kind of ruining a lot of people's lives. Yeah, well, lives. it was interesting because it looks at the tickling community, but it really, I think the, that movie, the documentary is actually kind of focusing on online bullying, which right. we're not going to get into. Right today. Bullying. Don't do it. Don't do it. We don't like it. But within the film, there was this one really kind of light moment counterpoint to the rest of Mm -hmm. the bullying, which was showing uh, this man in Florida who has one of the first websites that looks at the tickling fetish. He was showing that, hey, this can also just be a fetish that is totally not harmful Mm -hmm. and people are into it and it's fine. If you've seen the documentary, that fine lad is who we're going to interview today. A little bit later. I do have something to say, which is that I... Love tickling? hate tickling okay well i don't know about watching other people i haven't really gotten into that but i, I hate I've being been tickled. tickled in years and years and years and yeah. years and years well really when you were a kid though yeah when i was when i was a kid when like I was, who would tickle you my dad when i was like because really my brother would tickle me relentlessly and i ended up having recurring nightmares about being tickled mm. for years i'll keep that in mind <laughs> 
depends the way to torture me. Wait, right? did you say you had a question? No, that was it. Oh, I was, oh, oh yeah. Sure Are you ticklish? Oh, um, yeah, I assume I'm ticklish, but... You assume? Yeah, I don't even... <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Jen just tried to tickle me. But it was, was like an aggressive finger poke. Yeah, it was awkward. It was awkward. I'm really glad no one I just poked her in the armpit. But... <laughs> And I didn't laugh. So there you go. But Matt's I don't know. laughing. Matt, do you have a tickling fetish? <laughs> Not a fetish, but I'm extremely ticklish. You're extremely and ticklish. It, and it, I agree. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. But with my kids, we do a lot of tickling. Yeah. But no, it's not. I think not, it's cute with little kids. I mean, there's nothing wrong if you're into it as adults, as uh -huh. we're going to continue to discuss. Yeah. But it feels more torturous than pleasurable. I get that those are right. connected, but for yeah. me personally, no, not, not so much. Right. Yeah. Well, I was saying that I find it particularly disturbing with the fetish. I There's obviously nothing wrong with the fetish if you have it, a tickling fetish. But for me, watching somebody laugh while they're being tortured hits a weird note where it's like the pleasure and the pain is so apparent right at the surface together. I don't yeah, know. I also think, like, that does not bother I also me think we all. call it tickle torture because it also kind of has a ring to it. Yeah. But I don't think it's actually a form of torture. You know, it's not like we're no. waterboarding over here when we're tickling people. So uh, it doesn't really bother me. Like, it's not my thing but you know whatever well, i found really interesting in the documentary the tickle documentary that they talk about part of the lie that was woven into this bully and how he convinced people to make these tickle videos was that they were trying to, he said lying to people that like the u.s military was looking at torture tactics that they could use oh yeah other that was super strange right but it was believable because he got like hundreds if not thousands of people to participate in this well it's, it seems like he really preyed upon people again we don't yeah. want to spoil the documentary too much but it seems like he was preying on people who really need the mo needed money right. and paid them to be in these tickling videos. Yeah, yeah. And he used all kinds of other excuses, but. Right. So the tickling community is flourishing online, and we're going to talk to this guy today. Uh, but he's also, because there's overlap in a lot of these communities, he's also he also is really into feet. But first, we need to take a break. Ah. Already? So soon? We have a lot of sponsors. All right. Mm -hmm. They're paying us huge money. Huge. Huge. To be on our show, and we have to, uh, we have to yield to them. But first... Today's trivia. Trivia. All right. Let's do it. Here's something I found. In 2011, the entire country of Armenia lost internet. They lost the internet. They couldn't connect. Couldn't find it. No Facebook. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Why? Do you know this is true? Uh, it's a fact. <laughs> It's a fact I read on the internet, so it's right. got to it be true. It sounds like something that the internet made up. Like, how does a whole country, they had one, like, wire and one person unplugged it? Could be. Did, it, like, a satellite fall out of the sky or something? So the government shut it down? Could be. Like, I just don't understand how they lost it. Yeah. But we're going to find out. We're going to find out after the break. And now a real review of a UFO detector. A real product rated one star by a trustworthy human. I, as a reasonable and trustworthy human, do not this ungood product. Bad it is for us humans to purchase and operate this online purchasable product. As the person from Earth that I am, I think that all of my other fellow humans on Earth should immediately disuse and flognify this utterly zorgal Frank. I mean, bad item for buying. <laughs> oh, 
I am laughing with humor with the funny word I made up with my typing that I am not doing by direct thought extraction and instant data transmission to Amazon.com website. <laughs> that was highly humorous and glurp. UFO detectors are so dumb because all humans from Earth, like the one I am, know that we, I mean they, do not even exist. <laughs> Besides, even if the alien friends did exist, who minds occasional anal probe for benefit of aliens that don't exist? Blurp science! I, as a reasonable and trustworthy human person from Earth, sure wouldn't mind helping our future overlords. Do not buy this product. We're back. That was for what a UFO detector. Yeah, those are good products to have, I think, so that you don't get abducted by aliens. I have not heard of any good UFO sightings, though, recently. You, you know what? When I was in fifth, fifth, no, fifth grade, fifth grade, I was in elementary school, maybe mm-hmm. I was younger, my best friend Ian brought over an alien movie called Intruders, and I had nightmares till this day. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, they come and they take women and they impregnate them. Yeah. And then they come back like nine months later and take the betweeny baby. We call them betweeny babies because they're not human and they're not oh, yeah, yeah, full yeah. alien. I like it. But this is, um, it actually has some famous people in the movie. It's like this really terrible B movie called Intruders. Yeah. I think Ben Vereen is in it. Ben Vereen. Wow, we don't <laughs> speak <laughs> on Broadway. Um, yeah. So... You need it. You might use a UFO detector. I have a fear of aliens. Have you seen? I think my biggest fear might be being abducted by aliens. Wow. Because you get abducted by aliens, you get anally probed, maybe impregnated. Yeah. Although I don't know, maybe they're really friendly aliens. Yeah. If you ever got abducted by aliens, you come back to Earth and you're like, Jen, I, I'm really upset. Like I got abducted by aliens last night, and then everyone thinks you're insane. Yeah. So you're traumatized, and then everybody thinks you're crazy. Yeah, so, it would ruin your life. I think being abducted by aliens would like really seriously suck. Have you seen Event Horizon? What? Have you seen the movie Event Horizon? No. Have you, Matt? No, but I, I'm, I'm aware of it. Lawrence Fishburne. One of the, that is, that was the scariest movie I've ever seen. It's all about a ghost ship and aliens, and mm, I don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> I do think they're real. I mean, I don't, I don't think. Like, I think it's weird when people are like, do you believe in aliens? I'm like, there's, that's so, uh, like, narcissistic or, or egotistical or something to think that Human-centric. humans are the only mm-hmm. living things in the universe. That just is so illogical to me. Mm-hmm. Do I think they visited Earth? I have no idea. The Fermi paradox? What's that? It's that the universe is so incomprehensibly big that there has to be other life. There yeah. just has to be statistically. Yeah. But also it's so damn big that there's no possible way we could ever discover it, reach it, or that they could ever reach us. Interesting. Intelligent aliens could have lived millions of years ago. The stars have burnt out. They've been extinct. So they were out there, but there's no possible way we could ever know. Wow. Right. Yeah. That may, I mean, that makes sense. I think yeah. that's totally logical. It's weird to me when people like think that that's not logical. Yeah. Yeah. It must be, you know. It's weird yeah. that... Mm-hmm. A sponsor would pay to say to not use the product. Yeah. That's Because oh. they bought space on this right. show well, Matt, to dissuade I mean, you from using a U.S. phone detector. You were, not, you were in touch with this person, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I set up the deal. Yeah. It was 10, 10K, I think. Yeah. Great. Why aren't I seeing any of that? <laughs> Why don't I see But, like, how do you know it's not actually an alien that contacted you? Maybe. No, it was a it was a trustworthy human. They oh, said gotcha. so. Okay, they cool. said so on, on the phone. <laughs> and Matt believes everything you tell him. Yeah, he's very trusting. So who yeah. wants to hear the answer to the trivia question? I do. I do. I do. The question before we went to break. Okay. 
why did Armenia's internet get cut off in 2011? Like the whole country lost internet. Mm -hmm. And you were saying, oh, maybe it was the government. No, I I just don't even understand how a whole country could just lose it. Yeah. Yeah. I said a satellite fell. A satellite fell. Was there a war there? Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's like war, the government or something. But I don't understand how they could lose it. The answer Mm -hmm. is that a woman broke the backbone cable with a shovel. She was digging. What is a backbone cable? <laughs> a backbone cable. See, that just doesn't even seem possible Possible to me that they're like, don't touch this wire. You know what I mean? It like sounds like a, a cartoon. So how long was the internet out for? Uh, I don't know. I got to read. It was in the Wall Street Journal. That was very it was in the Wall Street Journal? Yeah. Yeah. Fake news. Just <laughs> Fake. Kidding. I think the Wall Street Journal oh. is real news for the record. Jesus. Yeah. Did not- her neighbors... Mm-hmm hate her maybe she maybe she didn't know right did yeah. she even have internet like it might have just been going through her backyard right but like she didn't even have maybe it. Right. the whole country did a digital detox and they started communicating with each other in person yeah if the internet went out one day in america yeah. that would be pretty cool just, like it's like it's like the modern it's like the blackout day. yeah mm-hmm. right yeah i was in new york for the blackout Are actually yeah and you were in Manhattan? I was in Manhattan. I was in the middle of dance class. Oh. And then the electricity went out. But it was in the middle of the day, so you didn't put together that the electricity had gone out everywhere. But then you went on the streets, and the weirdest part was on the streets. The streets were so crowded. And New York is always crowded, but we don't really f- contemplate the fact that New York is always crowded, but underneath the ground, there is an entire second city happening at all times. Right. So of all the people from the subway, like rats, <laughs> come mm-hmm. above ground. I mean, I just remember being struck by how many humans were on the street. And that's, wow. when, I, that's when I knew something was up. Yeah. I was driving <laughs> yeah. home from school, I think. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the traffic lights were out on the parkway. Oh, wow. And I was that's like, scary. that's weird yeah. and scary. And then the radio went out because the signal towers that were transmitting Ooh. radio, like I was listening Did to music or something. That feels so post-apocalyptic. Yeah. That was aliens to me. And I'm just driving alone on right. a parkway like, what the fuck? <laughs> Did <laughs> you freak out? Uh, I mean, yeah. And Did you think bit, it was aliens a little bit? I, a little tiny bit. I yeah. was like, this lines up with the alien movies. Right. So, oh my God. Was it actually aliens? Do you think it was a cover? <laughs> Definitely. Because now that we're yeah. talking this through... <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be aliens. We've really gotten on Yeah, track. we, we really. Guys. I mean, we have. Uh, Tickly. We're talking way too much. The good news <laughs> is we have our guest on the line with us right now. We have Rich Ivy, who's the owner of My Friend's Feet, a website for tickling fetishists. He's our tickler, our tickling expert today, and I'm just tickled to meet him. So, yes, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really happy to be here. I really awesome. am. We have so many questions for you. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start. But let's hear about the early days. So how you got into this, how you started this website. Obviously, you're in the Tickled documentary, so there's much to discuss. Yes, and it's funny because I've been getting uh, calls and uh, emails and texts from people saying they saw the documentary. So uh, it's funny because it's been out for a year um, out, but it just came out on HBO. So now people are really seeing it. So I got a I got a text message uh, from my college roommate. Really? <laughs> we went to college in the 80s, and I, got, I haven't talked to him in years. And then other models I've worked with and stuff like that. So, you know, I think people are kind of interested in this. I, I thought it would go out on HBO and be uh, something that people wouldn't watch, but I've gotten so many, you know, comments about it. So as far as the site itself and how I got into this community, um, the site... Is called My Friend's Feed. It focuses on um, tickling as well as just general gay foot fetish stuff, sock fetish. So it's kind of a one-stop shop for all that. 
But, you know, it started because I have a foot and tickle fetish myself. Um, in about 1999, I was... Uh, getting out of grad school, or I was still in grad school, but I was working for someone else. What were you in grad school for? I uh, got an MBA. Great. We have some business questions for you later, but whatever. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, I'll do your taxes and everything. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> I didn't even that. have to ask. <laughs> I went back to school because I was really unsatisfied with the work I was doing. Um, I majored in advertising, so I was doing advertising work and sales and things like that. So I thought um, going back to school was kind of a, a press pause. It was School was, to me, much easier than going to work because I didn't have to get dressed up and stuff like that. But uh, my original thought was to go in and try to start a business. And I got out of school and I went right back into the world I was in before, you know, back into marketing and stuff. And I really hated my the job I was working at. And it was in, you know, the very early days. It was in, you know, AOL was the biggest thing right then. And I saw some photos and which was really hard to find. There wasn't really any one place that you could find photos for one video, of course, because video was about the size of a post-it stamp back then. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was like, man, I would really like to be able to find stuff that I enjoy looking at, which um, wasn't, I just liked, you know, tickling stuff and bare feet pictures and sock pictures, not even what I would consider porn, just, you know, you know, so back in those days, we would look through magazines and, uh, everything just to find what we were looking for. Man, so, the world has changed so much and so quickly. <laughs> exactly. Now You're you really buy... a pioneer is what you are. I don't know about that, but in the community, they would literally mail photos. They would mail uh, drawings and stuff back to people, like snail mail things. And I thought, God, I really would like to be able to go on the internet and find what I'm looking for. It was when GeoCities sites were big. You know, people would post stuff like that. So I started out posting photos that I that people had mailed me and that I had seen in magazines that I would scan and put on my GeoCities site. Wow, what a process. That's really, yeah. It was, I would go to Kinko's and, and uh, or wherever it was. And that is what Kinko's is was for. for. Yeah, exactly. You call yourself Kinko's, you are asking for people to come and scan their foot fetishes and put them on the internet. Exactly, that should have been their marketing, you know, the, all along. Kinko's, all the kinks belong to us. <laughs> exactly. So finally, I put together a business plan, which is one thing I did learn in grad school. And I approached a friend who was successful in business and said, I really have an idea for um, a site actually two sites. I was going to do one foot site and one tickling site, but I ended up combining them. And I asked for, I think, $7,000 to buy camera, uh, computer, uh, a regular camera, video camera, you know, that sort of thing, and get started. And he, he uh, lent me that money. And I will always be thankful to Barry Miller for doing that because he changed my life. Thanks, Thanks Barry. Barry. <laughs> it was an early digital camera with, uh, and I have still have those photos I took back then. They were really, really very tiny. Um, but I just started from there, taking, taking pictures. Um, people would always ask about uh, tickling. So at the beginning, for the first couple of years, there wasn't even any video 
It was just photos of people being tickled. So just like a mid a mid tickle, like an action shot. Exactly, which is kind of hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> if you get them in between laugh, it's no good. But uh-huh. And then from there, it, it caught on. You know, back then, bulletin boards on the internet were really popular. So you could easily reach quite a lot of people into the, the fetish community. So that's what I did. I posted and said, hey, I opened a, a website. And it was a pay site. It was like $9 or something to, to join. And it kind of took off it took off slowly but always in an upward trajectory so i in about a year i was able to quit the job that i that i did not like wow i love how we're both going into the early days of the internet but also there's something very current where you were really ahead of your time in this whole like internet startup world and and i think that's what's great about that time in history with the internet because it was you know, $7,000. It was a cheap business to start. And what I figured was, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, it's no big loss. I just taught myself as I went along, you know, there was uh, plenty of people there to kind of uh, guide me on how to, how to do stuff. So I don't know about being a pioneer, but I think that. Oh, please. I'm just going to call you a pioneer. Just take it. (sighs) So is it still membership based? It is still membership based. It's not really that much more than it was, you know. It's about uh, $25 or so. And how big is the community on your site? You know, I run from within 2,000 to 3,000 members, paying members. But I have a lot mm-hmm. of free stuff on the site. I have, you know, personal ads. Uh, people can post their photos. People can see a lot of the, the previews and stuff like that for free. So I, I know it's a lot bigger than that. And as far as the actual com- tickling community overall and the foot community... I'm not sure. It's so hard, you know, it's so hard to, you know, tell because, you know, it's pretty anonymous in a lot of ways. And how many of the videos do you create versus other people submitting them to you? People don't really submit them to me. I create probably 99% of the videos that are on the site. So you've been doing this since 1999, did you say? I started in 1999 and actually the first day online was February 15th, 2000. So I've been on for 17 years, just had my anniversary. Mazel tov. So are you sick of it? Because, you know, there's a lot of jokes out there, like when you make your passion, your work, you know, are there there ever days where you're like, oh, if I see another foot, you know? (laughs) Uh, It's it's funny because I'm not tired of it, but it certainly has changed my perspective. And I can look back and think about my first day and, you know, the very first... uh, photo shoot I did and how I set those up and how nervous I was and how, you know, thinking that the the model was going to think I was a freak and how, you know, I'm paying this model. Like, I think I paid my first model like $200 or something. And I've gotten, I'm spending all this money. There's anxiety coming from every different area, you know, is it going to be good? And, you know, what are they going to think of me? And what if they all suck? And today, I'm not tired of it, but I don't have that sort of excitement slash anxiety around it. I still find feet, socks, tickling, all that is just as arousing as it was to me back then. So it hasn't like killed the fetish or anything. I'm kind of like, oh, you know, it's it's work now. Like sometimes I'll say to a friend, oh God, it's so nice outside, but I got to go to work. And my friend will say, 
Aww. <laughs> you know, you get to hang around hot guys and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a lot of times that I'm thinking, I would really like to be at the beach today. Wait, you, you live in Florida, right? I live in Orlando. Orlando. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I still don't feel sorry for you. I'm like, oh, I'd really like to be at the beach. I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. I'd also <laughs> like to be in the beach, but I live in New York City. I don't know. It's been really cold here, guys. Oh, yeah. cry me a river. I know. It was down to the 50s. Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, dagger to my heart. Uh, Can anyway, back to tell us about any of the specifics of the tickling fetish? Are there some people who like to be tickled, others who like to tickle people or, or anything about specific it. specific areas yeah. of the body that they really love to yeah. tickle. Absolutely. I think the majority of people are ones that like to see the tickling and like to be the ticklers and be in the driver's seat. And that's mm -hmm. that's what I'm more into. I'm not really that ticklish myself. So more people are into that, I think. That's anecdotal. And then there's people that love to be tickled. I've gotten so many messages just this week. I guess maybe it's because the documentary is out there but people wanting me to tickle them, you know, just like off camera and stuff like that. Oh. People do like to be strapped down, tickled. I think it's because it's not something that they have any opportunity to have done. And there's people that like just upper body tickling. There's people that like foot tickling. There's people that like, and it goes into the socks as well. They want to see people talk tickle in white socks and dark socks. So it's every different facet of the feet, the socks, the tickling, you know, anything you can imagine about it, there's somebody that's into it. How did you discover that you were into this? I was always into it. TV shows and mainly cartoons. You would see cartoons of, you know, a character uh, in a cast or something and they would have their feet tickled or they would be somehow restrained. That was the most exciting thing to me as a kid. Popeye cartoons, Gilligan's Island, you know, these really benign things. But if it had tickling in there, I was I would just sit there by the TV waiting for it to come on. And this was way, way before I, you know, had reached puberty. So I had no idea what sex was about, but I knew that that was what I really liked. And I would try to uh, tickle my friends and uh, have games like, okay, you tickle me and I'll tickle you at the same time. And they were all like, you know what, this is, this is really uncool. And then, you know, once I hit puberty, it just exploded as far as linking the two sexually, looking at feet and things like that too. So I truly think that some fetishes are things that people can learn to really like, but I think a lot of them you're just born with. I would have people write me emails and say, why do I have this thing? And there's a lot of guys that write in and say, I'm a guy, I'm straight, I have a girlfriend, but I really want to get tickled. What is this about? And I can't answer that question. I think just like some people are born and they grow up liking boobs or they grow up liking legs or they grow up liking, you know, whatever. So I think it's the same thing with tickling and feet. Well, do you write that back? Or are you just like, hey, you like tickling. It's cool. Obviously, I do too. What I try to project through the site is, you know, don't try to figure it out. Um, just, you know, enjoy it. You know, be as open as you can be about it at the time and people will accept you for it. One reason I named the site My Friend's Feet was I had seen other sites and photos and stuff like that that were real dungeony because a lot of the times I was looking at, you know, women being tied up and stuff because that that's what was on AOL. There wasn't a lot of men doing it. I don't like that perception as, as much as I do like, you know, guys just kind of having fun and it being like, these are, these are friends 
and it's it's people just like you and me. So that's why I chose the name My Friend's Feet because it sounds pretty friendly, as opposed to like Tickle Dungeon or which <laughs> I mean, there's it, that's just how my fetish particularly goes. Some people are really into the more uh, BDSM aspect of it, and that is you know perfectly fine. But for my side, I wanted to let people know that they don't have to be ashamed because of what their fetish is or their sexuality is or or their questioning of what it is. I'm not going to say that I started the site um, to empower myself because I obviously was looking for a, a business to start, but I was also looking for something on the internet uh, with tickling videos and, and good fit pictures and stuff that I was not finding myself. But there's really an opportunity for people to get past all this shame that they feel. And one thing I really want to want to help with as much as possible. And, you know, to, and if I can make some money and, and have fun myself along the way, then I can't think of a better job. Well, that's a great soundbite because that's what we keep saying on this podcast. Yeah. That the Internet has allowed people to find each other and to realize if you're into it, so are 5,000 other people. So, like, mm-hmm. really don't worry about it. When you first started doing this, what were the reactions from friends and family? I was pretty closeted about it at first. My friend Diane was helping me do some of the photography and stuff. You know, she knew about it and everything once I told her, like in 2000, 1999, 2000. But I kept it pretty secret myself, and it's really kind of a journey um, that ends up with, with tickling. When I started the site, I actually hired a model to be the face of the site. To like say that he was the site owner. And so everything, his name, his quote, quote, name was Lee. And so everything for the first year was kind of run through him. And did he care? You told him that you were using him as the face. And he was like, okay. Yeah, because <laughs> because mainly it was um, it was mainly photos and stuff like that. So I, I wasn't in any videos or, or things like that at the time. So I'd post all these things. And then because the site was kind of conversational, I would be like, post his photo and say, hey, my name's Lee and I'm into feed and on and on and on and on. I just want to say that's interesting with the internet too and just that I feel like we used to have these avatars that weren't us and now with social media, it's much more common to just put yourself out there with your real name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he was cool with that and, uh, you know, he's a better looking guy than I am. So I was like, hey, you know, much nicer face for it and stuff. But after a while, um, people would write in and say, oh, Lee, you know, because I would answer as Lee and it got, it just got confusing. <laughs> I always felt like I was living a lie and I was like, oh, you know, people are people are cool with us, so I finally just switched over and uh I went I go by the name Rich now, but my nickname for a long time was Cat and Hat. So people would write in and call me uh Cat and da, 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 da. and that wasn't really necessarily about hiding my name, but just that's just the the that's actually the AOL name I had, so it kind of stuck. Did you that. make an announcement when you switched over or when you switched away from Lee? Were you like, hey, guys, I've been using... I just kind of did it, and um, this might be the first time I'm, like, coming clean about this. Um, I didn't come out and say, hey, I was just kidding about Lee or whatever. I just said, you know what? He had to go. He went back to school. <laughs> and I got so many emails that were like, Wow, the site sucks now. It was so much better when Lee was running. It. <laughs> oh my god, that's ridiculous. Wow. Perceptions, yeah. <laughs> it didn't really occur to me as much uh, when I was, as I was kind of coming out of my shell the whole way. But during that period, uh, my dad passed away, and that made me think of things differently and really look at who I am. Because I'd found out through the years that my dad was a closeted gay man, or I'm not going to say. I won't label him a closet gay man, but I did find gay porn 
you know, in his closet and stuff like that. So he had a gay aspect mm-hmm. to him that obviously he kept hidden. That and me hiding behind the Lee persona and things like that made me think about stuff. And my, my dad died uh, early. He died of a heart attack. And I just know that he wasn't, um, he wasn't very happy. He wasn't really happy with his life for whatever reason. But I think that a, a, a big part of it was he wasn't able to be who he was, you know? And so I kind of made a vow, like, I'm at least going to do what I want to do and try to be as out as I can be about this so I don't end up um, unhappy about who I am. And the feedback I got from people from uh, being members of the site was that while the site really makes me feel like I'm not the only one out there that has this fetish, once I really started getting emails like that, I tried to promote that you know, as a, as a mindset. So when people would write in, I would say, just, you know, be as accepting of, of yourself as you can. Once I had accepted a part of myself and it was able to talk to other people about it, they were like, Oh, that's cool. But if I was like nervous about it and trying to hide stuff, then it seemed, you know, kind of scammy. My family, like I, uh, talked to my mom about it when I started the site and, you know, she has since passed away, but she would always ask me how work was going. You know, I'll sit there and banter with my friends about sex and things like that all the time. It's not as much something that you do with your family. So I think most of my family knows that I'm running a site, but I don't sit down and talk to them about it. So that was when I accepted um, the offer to be in the Tickled documentary. That was one thing that was like, well, this is like the last frontier, you know. Because you're a pioneer, and that was the last frontier. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, now I have this thing out there that's on HBO that um, I feel like it was my way of really finally putting myself out there 100% about what I'm doing. How did you feel about how they portrayed you in the documentary? Which I thought, just for the record, was positive, and that it was a really nice juxtaposition with the rest of the film. <laughs> I thought it was positive. I mean, it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, he showed my face in slow motion while I'm, while I'm uh, you know, tickling. Yeah, the, the slow-mo guy. part, if that were me, it's a, uh, I wouldn't want to watch myself in slow-mo, so I hear you, but okay. <laughs> it was, I think it was more about the slow-mo than the, than the leering look I had at the guy. Oh, no. <laughs> like the first time I was like, oh my God. And the second time, uh, everyone was howling with laughter, all my friends and stuff. And the way that I got involved with the film was I, I'd seen that it was out there. It was on the Dalit podcast. One of my good friends, uh, Achilles, uh, said, hey, you have to listen to this podcast because it was about the, the very beginning of David and Dylan, you know, working this out with the with uh, Terry Tickle and everything else. And then like that week, they decided to do a Kickstarter so I contributed to the Kickstarter, and that's how I got connected with David and Dylan. So what has the response been for you personally? And you said business-wise, you're getting a lot of inquiries because of the documentary. Most of all, people have been um, positive about it. You know, people writing in saying, hey, I saw the, the documentary and I really liked it. I have gotten some people that have written in saying that they didn't like that you know, there's this documentary out there that portrays tickling in a negative light at all, even though it had a, you know, a positive person in there because it makes you know all of tickling look bad because of the way that it's you know the the way that maybe the trailer is or you know people don't see the documentary and you know it just looks like there's this that tickling is a really freakish thing um that's been a very small portion of people that wrote in and that's that's not my view so 
my response is, you know, watch the video and, and make up your own mind. I can't say that, you know, like my business has increased or stuff like that, because that's, I think, I think most people that are into tickling already know about the site after being around for so long. Models that I've had have written in saying, hey, I was watching this documentary and you popped up. That's great. And that has been really fun to see. This was kind of like the last hiding place I had. It was a real decision to say, okay, with this video, I'm going to be out there. This is a decision to really be out there. I have one more question. How has your website changed with the progression of the internet, if that makes sense. So the internet has changed so much and social media and the capabilities behind it and what you can embed. So how have you changed my friend's feet along with how the internet has changed? That's a good question. From the very beginning, the site mainly focused on photos, you know, pictures of tickling and, you know, pictures of feet, pictures of socks. Um, if I would do a worship scene with two foot worship is, you know, people putting feet and socks in their mouth and things like that. That has gone from being mainly photo oriented to uh, mainly video oriented where I do three updates now a week. One focuses on tickling, one focuses on feet and foot worship, and one is a photo update only of, of feet. Because there are a lot of people that, that like, like myself, I would rather see photos than see video. Are you on Instagram? I'm not on Instagram because Instagram is owned by Facebook and Facebook is evil. And I, I say that because I did have a, a Facebook page for the site where things were put up and were completely G-rated, nothing suggestive or anything. And, you know, they would pull me down every time. So as far as social media goes, which is a really different aspect, I'm on Twitter at uh, My Friend's Feet, and I'm also on uh, Tumblr because they are a little bit more liberal about posting photos and videos. And I love Twitter especially because it lets me get in direct touch with people very, very quickly and, and banter back and forth. So to answer the question, it's mainly been technological where the videos, when I first started, they were nine or 10 frames per second. They were completely tiny. And then just, you know, every two years or whatever, I would update the format I was using. So now it's, you know, high definition video. The social media aspect is something that I absolutely love. It's really changed from the kind of models I hire. You know, I probably hire about half people that are in porn and about half regular models um, because it's harder to find regular models to do that. And that's another thing about uh, Twitter is people can write in and say, hey, I love uh, Seth Knight. Can you get him on the site? Or they'll they'll message you know, somebody they want to see on the site themselves. And it's so easy to put everyone in the loop that I get a lot of my models that way. So it's not me saying, hey, I want to see this person. I hope that people like it. It's the people saying, this is who I want to see. And then me hiring them from there. Crowdsource tickling. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> All right. We're out of time, but it was so great to speak with you. Well, thanks for the opportunity. You guys are so cool. We think so. Pretty great. <laughs> I'm looking for a camping buddy who will join me on a backpacking trip in Sebago Lake State Park. What I essentially want to do is drive up together from Portland and get to know one another <laughs> and, and drop you off at a campsite, and giving you a 30-minute head start to run and hide in the forest 
while I set up camp before I come and find you. You don't want to know what happens when I find you. And we're back. Well, who was that sponsor? I'm ready to go camping. I think Sebago Lake State Park sponsored that. Day. I definitely want to know what happens. <laughs> Me too. I like a good adventure. Yeah. Camping's expensive. You got to buy a tent. Yeah. And like firewood and all that stuff. Yeah. And then you're buying an ad mm-hmm. on our show. That's true. That's a lot of money. Lot of money. I still think other adventures are more expensive. Like a cruise. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, an all-inclusive resort. Yeah. A trip to New Zealand. Yeah. Actually, I just found out that a trip to New Zealand doesn't have to be that expensive, really? but that's another story. I tried to go camping at Bonnaroo one year. You know, that dumb music. This was like a <laughs> lifetime ago, but we didn't know how to set up the tent. And we woke up in the morning and like the tent had fallen like It better on be us. a lifetime ago because adults can't go to Bonnaroo. <laughs> what are we saying? We're children. We're children. Um, so we woke up, the tent was like on us, but there was like this smell of coffee in the air. And we were like, oh, that smells good. So Jen was thrilled. <laughs> I was thrilled. I was like a baby, but I was thrilled. And we got out of the tent. And Who were you be- with? Uh, my brother, my my bf at the time okay my brother's gf was there and uh, next to us there was an rv going along with these um abbreviations these people (laughs) were making cappuccino in their rv and i was like this is what camping it's glamping it's glamping well you did burning man you must have camped out that shit i did i camped for burning man Mm -hmm. in a tent did it for the man well not for the man (laughs) yeah yeah there's no burning woman we should start That's that. fine. Should start. I don't need to light anything on fire. I thought that part was kind of weird, actually, because what I thought was really incredible about Burning Man was the art. I thought the art was amazing. There are giant sculptures in the middle of the desert. But then some of them get chosen to be burned. And it's supposed to be this big honor. And I'm like, how is it an honor that this beautiful piece of art is getting erased and burned? And you put all this effort into it, and now we've burned it. Such is life. I guess that's the whole point. But I'm I sorry. That, I need yeah. to. I need to correct the record. There, there has been a Burning Woman really festival, Salem Witch Trials. Oh, <laughs> that was good. Matt, that was a terrible Nailed joke. Nailed it. Shut up. Nailed it. That was good. You know, that's always how it works, right? <laughs> Burning Man is like a huge festival art party. Burning Women is lighting women on fire. Short <laughs> end of the stick every time. Yeah, short end of the stick because it was burning. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. That's true. <laughs> All right. So anyway, did you guys enjoy that interview? I can't hear you. I don't know. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just had a conversation I was with myself. Say that was entirely with this yourself. That's so strange about podcasting and the internet. But yeah, yeah, he was delightful. He was delightful. Rich. I kind of wish everyone could have seen him. Yeah. He, I have to say, looks, I don't know how old he is, but he looks great. Like, I think tickling might keep you young. Laughing that much. But he's not ticklish. But I don't know. What is it? I don't know. It what makes saying. sense if it yeah. would. You know what I mean? Like, fuck Botox. Just get a tickle. Yeah. <laughs> you tickle know? therapy. Seems cheaper. Yeah. So tickle t- me out of my wrinkles. Tickle, tickle my wrinkle. <laughs> tickle my wrinkle. <laughs> tickle my wrinkle away. If we could convince people that tickling got rid of wrinkles, it would be hugely popular. We should have let it Rich know this. Yeah. But it's definitely cheaper than Botox because his site's only 25 a month or so, right? That's true. Oh, yeah. Way That's cheaper. Good deal. Way yeah. cheaper. And I loved everything he had to say about And he seems super supportive of the filmmakers, too, of that documentary. Tickled. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't upset by the slow mo. It's pretty cool. He gave to the, the way he met them is through donating to their Kickstarter. Yeah, that's like campaign. such an internet story too. Right, that like these ticklers are coming out of the woodwork to talk to them, but also he was supporting the project from the very early stages. Mm-hmm. 
We, we got we up. um guys, we gotta get going. We guys gotta get going. Guys. <laughs> we guys. We gotta guys. go. We guys gotta go. Got some tickling of the wrinklings. We to, have some tickling to do. Yeah. Um, no big deal. While we're camping in a tent and tickling our wrinkles, um, <laughs> you can connect with us on social media at uh, my Twitter handle. You can tweet you, me. You need help? It's at Junebugger. <laughs> I'm looking at Allie. She's like looking at me like, what's I'm my Twitter like- handle? What's my Twitter, Alex? What's my tweets? My twats? Where's my twat? Mine is Junebugger, J-O-O-N, because that's how you really spell it. Bugger. Normal bugger. June, not to be confused with poon. Two different things. Yeah. A poon bugger. <laughs> That'd be great if your Twitter handle was poon bugger. <laughs> Let's get this rolling. Okay. Yours is, tell them again. Junebugger, at Junebugger, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-E-R. And mine is Allie Gold. At A L L I G O L D. And your passwords? 7689JAM. <laughs> Jam. That's for you. Is Jam in your password? Mine's just. Um, Her last name's Jam. Yeah. Yula. Yeah, so. mine's just password 125. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd throw secure. them off with the five. I don't know. Yeah, the um, five will get them every If you want to email us, which we know you do, uh, you can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. Or you can call us at 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. If you call us and you leave us a voicemail that's interesting or you have a question, old school radio style, in future episodes, we would love to start playing these voicemails. So please do leave us a message. Please share the show. Share the show. Share the show. (laughs) Share that shit. Please share this shit with your friends. Get the word out. Spread the word. If you like the podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play. Anywhere you get your podcasts. Yeah, anywhere you get them. Where the getting's good. Get it. Get us. Get us where the getting's good. (laughs) Get in while the getting's good. Thanks so much. Peace out. Peace. We're going to go tickle. I'm doing it right now. by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Microphones were occasionally plugged in by Matt Silverman in a concrete jungle where dreams are made of known as New York City. This show is produced for some reason by The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet with production assistance from thepodglomerate.com. I'm not going to spell that out for you, so why don't you just Google it? Don't forget to subscribe to Two Girls, One Podcast for brand new talkie-talkie shows every week, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Great news! You can listen to new episodes of Two Girls, One Podcast one week early. What is this sorcery? Just download the free TuneIn app and fire up Two Two Girls, Girls, One Podcast to get fresh episodes one week before your loser friends. (laughs) Your friends are so lame for being one week behind. I know, right? Wait, what's the catch? There's no catch. TuneIn lets you listen to awesome podcasts. Like ours. One week before anywhere else, absolutely free. Whoa, dude. The next episode of the show is probably already there. Yo, this is some freaky time traveling shit. I'm going to listen to next week's show so I can find out what we're going to say. Technology is weird. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.